Hello, welcome to another edition of Detour Live. We're on the back of a chaotic opening stage. I'm joined again by three-time national uh, road race title winner, Johnny Trevorrow. Johnny, it was three titles you won, wasn't it? I haven't three, added any no, there. No, you took one off. It's four, but that's fine. We can live with that, mate. That's okay. Well, <laughs> are you sure? Because Wikipedia said you'd only won three. Well, there you go. I won an amateur one in nine seventy, which took me. I went to the Com Games, and then I won three pros in a row. Yeah, right. But as we said yesterday, no Tour de France's, which, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Would have been good to intro, you know, four times. Are you, are you gonna you gonna bring that up every uh, episode? Are you, Dan? Not every, not every. No? Just, okay. just That's all right. sporadically throw it in there. But um, no, mate, okay. how how are you feeling on the back of last night? Though I stayed up for the whole stage. Uh, you ended up going to bed at what two thirty, three o'clock. You know, running on vapors all day. I've jumped in to have a red hot shower just before this, and I think I've cooked myself up. I'm looking like a pink pig at the moment. <laughs> but that 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 was stressful to watch, Johnny. Oh, I gotta say, uh, I, I thought I was going to really enjoy sitting back on the couch and just uh, doing it you know, very differently to how I normally am, driving in a car and diving to the finish and all of the the chaos that goes with that. But sitting on my own because my wife's a, a, a big Tour de France fan, so she's sitting down in the room watching her shows. Sitting on my own, having a quiet uh, Mitchelton, um, I started to doze a little bit, uh, but then suddenly, at all. Hell broke loose when it started to rain, and they got into those uh, windy sections. They started crashing, and it was just you couldn't uh, couldn't get away from the telly for a second. It was just really riveting stuff, and you know, I just felt for the guys. Well, that's the thing. It's funny with professional cycling; um, they are athletes, and it is entertaining. But um, you also think of them as people, and when the danger element kicks in, I know back in the day um, when I got to know the riders, I really struggled with crashes. I couldn't I couldn't film it. And the coverage, like, um, obviously, you know, there was a few rides that had to abandon overnight. There was some pretty hard falls. But, um, geez, your guts twist up. You just don't like seeing any of those sort of crashes happening. But then again, you know, there are other people that they love this sort of stuff. Yes, well, I noticed that whenever there's a crash, all of the te- te- uh, television news will run the, uh, uh, the cycling. It's always been the case. But, look, where I feel for them is – they're professionals and they really know how to handle a bike. And in normal conditions, just like, well, that's cycling, you know, it, it, it's wet, uh, you know, uh, it's a windy descent. They've got to learn to live with that. But when you throw in that extra uh, uh, dimension, like how slippery it was, like it had rained in Nice for over two months. So when you get that rain after that, like, that's the, those circumstances, it gets super, super slippery. It was like an ice skating rink. And then – the ability to, to corner and all that, well, it just goes, it just becomes luck. I was watching them going down the, one of the, that last climb like they were tourists. So I go, You're just breaking up again, mate. That's all awesome. team <laughs> for, for lifting the pace. Yeah, well, we've got um, some Sorry, of the. Sorry, mate. Uh, we dropped. No, nah, you're right. We've got some of the uh, highlights from the stage. Um, obviously, as you said, it, it started off relatively um, non chaotic. And at this point, you're thinking, oh, you know, breakaway's going to go. Um, and then <laughs> before too long, all hell has broken loose. Um, and, and you were saying that the caravan might have let some suds on the road. 
Um, well, one of, the, one of the one of the rumours that went around, you know, the caravan that travels one hour in front. Uh, look, there's some of the guys there. Look, just so, uh, just chaotic, as you say. Yeah, so one of the one of the caravans uh, has soapy bubbles that they spray over the crowd. You know, uh, evidently that was leaking that soap suds onto the road, so uh, that wouldn't have helped at all. And they've got the onboard cameras as well, so you really get um, a sense of what it was like for the riders. Um, Ella Philippe there had a bit of a, a touchdown as well. Down we go again. Um, it was just chaos, and and this is the the crash that caught um, Caleb Ewan up. And live in the stage, he was obviously a red hot favourite before, and he was paying about three bucks. He blew out to seventy one dollars, and then this is the the controversial oh, scene with Astana. Lo- lo- with Lopez. Ah, oh. well, it's interesting because they uh, uh, Martin had gone to the front. Put his great big arms out uh, like Michael Gross, the the, the uh, old breaststroker, uh, and he had the there he is arms out, uh, and he's uh, now best mate uh, um, Luke Rowe backing him up, and they talked everyone out of it. Then the Astana guys come up and started uh, debating it. Then they went to the front and uh, caused all of the, uh, the the drama that happened. And they're just showing the, the finish coming up now. A great sprint by Christoph. I know that we were talking earlier about the odds, and he was at twenty three dollars. We said. We should put some money on uh, on Christoph. Well, it was interesting as well. They went to the helicopter shot for the final there. I haven't actually seen them do that um, live. That was that was strange. And, and another frustrating thing about the telecast was when Pino went down, obviously we know he's a, a Frenchman, um, he's a GC contender, but they didn't go back to what was happening at the front of the race. And I think Keenan said in the commentary at the time, you know, we know he's crashed, we've seen it, get back to the front of the race because that's where all the action's happening. Yeah, they only got back in uh, with one and a half K to go, so they missed it like a K and a half. And, okay, he is the big French favourite, but he wasn't hurt and he wasn't going to lose any time. So that was enough for the student have to keep going with that. Yeah. Um, and we saw, obviously, the footage of Tony Martin um, getting calm for the peloton. There's a lot of little uh, memes going around, and one of these was, I thought, pretty funny. Uh, Tony Martin, <laughs> the gendarme, calling halt for the... <laughs> The Tour de France, but um, that that begs the question: If he, the, some people were split. I think most people say in that situation, you know, it is too dangerous. You're going to have to sort of neutralise things. But then other people say, hey, it's a bike race. You know, just let them ride, and and they all know the conditions, and that's part of the sport. What what do you think about that? Look, the last time I remember that happening was very. You're breaking up again, mate. Sorry, mate. Yeah, keep we going. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So last time I remember that was Cancellara a few years ago when he did it, and there was oil on the road. There was someone up the up the road as well, and they another uh, fight all of the places except for first. Look, I think uh, in the conditions of of uh, last night, it was uh, the right thing to do. It was always going to be a sprint finish. What was the point going fast down there? Everyone was falling off at that speed they were doing. So Astana. I reckon Vina Kurov must have been in their uh, in their uh, earphone saying, "No, you go, you go." You know, well, he's such a great bloke, uh, and um, obviously, uh, I've never seen karma happen so quickly. Yeah, well, <laughs> within 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 seconds, the two corners, and down they went. Uh, social they media were... was was lighting up all around hashtag karma. You know, serves you right, all this sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> one other one other crash where. My heart was, you know, missing a few beats. Was when George Bennett went down, who uh, I'm obviously a big fan of. 
um, and and had a bit of a nasty crash. I, I WhatsApped him and and you know asked about his condition, and uh, he said his foot's a bit tender. He had an X-ray on the ribs straight after the stage, but uh, he got away with it without any big issues. Um, and I think like he's struggling to to put any sort of pressure on on the foot, but um, yeah, he can he can ride his bike. Uh, tough nut. Uh, we've joined by the director sportif Matthew White, who's been kind enough to spend some time again. Whitey, pretty chaotic stage yesterday, mate. Uh, how was it in the in the team car? Uh, yeah, it certainly was. The the one thing that could have complicated the stage yesterday did, and that was uh, wet weather. And uh, from local people, it's, it hasn't rained uh, in Nice uh, for a long time. And then the other thing was uh, a lot of the course we're on yesterday had uh, – it's that time of uh, the year that olive trees are dropping. And so there's a lot of oil and residue on the road oh. as well. So a combination of those things and a bit of nerves uh, certainly was a pretty chaotic day yesterday. As far as us, we got away with it pretty good, actually. Two two minor touchdowns with Daryl Impey and Mikel Nieve. Both guys are fine. And uh, we're in a hell of a lot better situation than, than most teams. I saw uh, Luca bopping around in the final there with, you know, sort of five, six hundred metres to go. I thought, geez, here we go. Uh, what a story that would have been. But uh, he would have been pretty happy with his ride in the end. Yeah, he probably a, li- a little bit too close to the front too early there. And uh, Jack Bowers probably hit out a little bit too hard, uh, which then Luca had to make a decision, follow your teammate or uh, let others come over the top of you. And we followed him, but he was he was stuck too close to the front too early, mate. But uh, look, Luca's here more for our selective sprint days. But um, no. yeah, we've got uh, a few little technical <laughs> gremlins happening at the moment. Um, it's actually a, a pretty interesting still frame we've got Whitey on there. Uh, looks like a, a Marvel character. So where where are you at the moment, Whitey? He's well. We've got him back. Can you hear us, Whitey? Can just dropped out, mate. Yeah, just dropped out. All good. Where, where are you now, Whitey? Mate, I had I was going to do it in the bus. The bus just arrived, uh, and I went to talk to you guys outside the bus, but the uh, the engine was a little bit too loud, so I just jumped in the team car just in front of the bus oh, okay. at the start line. Okay. Were there so any – um... oh, you're right, Johnny. No, as you can say, what's about a, a, an hour away from the start? We are, we are. I've got to go in there in a minute and do the uh, do the team meeting, and then the boys have got their official sign on time soon. And uh, we're exactly in the same pass, place we were parked yesterday, and we, we finish again back here in the same finish line today, but from a from the opposite direction. So, what's the uh, Matthew White crystal ball uh, think for today's stage, mate? <laughs> Matthew White, <laughs> you there? Yep. Your your thoughts on uh, the stage two today, mate? It's obviously they're throwing up a bit of a mountain stage really early in the tour. Um, how, how do you think it's going to pan out? Yeah, look, we've got 45k up the valley before we get to the first climb of the day, and we've got two category two category one climbs today. They are they're long, they're solid, uh, and the second one is a very technical, very very technical descent off the Torini, called the Torini, and then. Those two final climbs, people who know Parry Nice, uh, we u- have used them nearly every year. So that's Col de Es. The first time we do the full Col de Es, and the last climb is it's the same climb, but they turn off halfway. So 
It is a solid day, three and a half thousand plus meters of climbing, and it's going to be very interesting to see how the two big teams, Jumbo and Ineos, feel each other out today because it's it's a selective day. I think it's a great day for riders like Alaphilippe, and uh, look, I wouldn't be surprised to see some. Well, you're definitely going to see some aggressive riding in the final, and for us, we're going to make sure that we're involved in anything that goes early in the stage. And then uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little uh, aggressive Adam Yates in the final this afternoon. Oh, well, there you go. You've heard it first. Yatesy, that would be uh, <laughs> sensational if uh, he can get up there in the pointy end of the, of the finish. Um, one, one thing I noticed on yesterday's stage is um, even with the sprint stages, obviously the GC guys, they want to be up the front and out of trouble as much as they can. Um, Pogacar, he was uh, just behind the front bunch, first Tour de France. I mean... Uh, that's good signs for him uh, early on in, in the tour that he is following the wheels with a bit of confidence. Yeah, look, he's he's not so dark a horse. You know, what he did as a 21-year-old last year in the back end of the Vuelta, winning two stages and finishing on the podium in his first grand tour, oh, I think he'll he'll run top 10 here. Uh, how, good he, how good he can be in his first Tour de France, we'll find out in a couple of weeks, but he, he's a he's one of the future big stars of our sport, and uh, he's been in the professional ranks one year, one two to eleven year two years ago, and uh, he he's a very very talented kid, and uh, I think the challenge for him will probably be his first week of the tour. It's it's a different stress from the Welter or the Giro, and he's going to learn the hard way. But if he can get through that first week of week for ten days, uh, I think at the back end of the race, what we show, saw in the Welter from him last year is going to be a is going to be a big factor. And Whitey, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Astana yesterday when uh, uh, when they tried to call truce and uh, Astana decided to uh, um, have a go down the hill anyway? Yeah, look, they end up looking a bit like Muppets, didn't they? Uh, when you put when, <laughs> when when you say that, push the pace, and and your lead rider ends up in a fence, um, it probably wasn't the best look for them. Uh, but look, there's a there's a lot of nervous guys here yesterday. And look, Lopez's first Tour de France, that, their team thought they were doing the right thing. But, you know, when you end up crashing, you look like you got egg on your face, haven't you? <laughs> exactly. Um, we, we've been encouraging people to write in questions. We haven't got any actual questions first, but one of your old mates, Whitey, Wendy Superfan. Hi, Matt. Good of you to take the time to do this. So there you go. You're a good oh, man, Whitey. Uh, straight, straight from the heart from Wendy. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, Whitey, what are the key things you're going to be telling the boys when you get in on the bus? Uh, it won't be eat and drink there, Jonesy. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I think today uh, our climb is going to stay pretty quiet through the stage. And then I think uh, the main thing is we are here for a stage win. And the guy, the big guys, uh, they don't, if they're not involved in the break of the day, to really conserve energy. Well, I think we've got some great opportunities coming up and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different pressure here without riding for GC. So we've got to be pretty calculative with the way we expend our energy and uh, for the guys who are not helping someone win a stage and once their job is done, uh, there's plenty of opportunities to, to, to go again. And uh, look, I think Adam's in a good place. Esteban's, well, Esteban's as good as I've seen him since 2016. And, but there, but, there's a, so many chances in the back end of this race for climbers that we're just going to take it day by day. And if we, if we can't win the stage, we'll then park it, save some energy and go again. Um, we've got one other question from Jason Cruz. Do you have a weather forecast for today? Can you see that? Uh, yep. Blue sky. Ah, oh, looks good. Looks good. Blue okay. Sky. <laughs> 
Well, you're going to have to be playing a bit of Midnight Oil with Blue Sky, mate. <laughs> Blue, Blue Sky and bad internet. <laughs> okay, one, one final one before we go. Samantha Ince wants to know, spectators helping riders that crashed. What does Whitey think? Well, look, that... They're, they're, they're mean well, don't they? They mean well. But I think in general, uh, leave that leave that up for the teams. Uh, and especially since we are in the middle of a pandemic, mm. uh, leave it leave it up for the proper medical staff and the teams to help their own riders out. Yeah. And if you are a spectator, you know, wear gloves, have some uh, hand wash, <laughs> just don't take any risks. Yeah, yeah. Or even better, just watch it at home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for your time, Whitey. We really appreciate it, mate. All the best for today. And hopefully okay, Yatesy can be doing the two-arm salute in seven hours' time. Oh, it should be a nice way to start the tour. But uh, look, he's <laughs> in a good place. He's in a good place. Uh, but we'll, we'll have we'll be surprised to see him riding aggressive in the final today. Good on you, mate. All the best. Hey, good luck, mate. Off the yeah. Great insights again from uh, Sports Director Matthew White there. Um as he said, it, it's the the weather's better, which is good. But it was interesting what he was saying about the olives out on the road as well. Like yeah. it's funny how in cycling all these little factors. But normally at the Tour de France, if there's like a truck that goes in front of the race that cleans up all the roads and all this sort of stuff. So when people sort of get frustrated, oh why aren't they doing more? The tour is generally pretty good with a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well they are, but we're we're nearly two months later, so maybe that's got something to do with it. Maybe the olives aren't normally an issue uh, back in, in in July. But interesting, the other thing that Whitey was just saying, uh, or maybe you brought it up, uh, with the spectator, it was the, uh, the the question came through actually, but uh, the spectators helping, that really is against everything they're talk, trying to stop with the COVID. Uh, um, you're having spectators touching the riders gives a, a, a terrible opportunity to spread the damn virus. Mm. And it's hard because, like, as you know, you're trying to control the herd and they get excited when, when the riders are there and they want to push them and it's it's sort of cycling tradition. But uh, as you said, you're in the middle of a pandemic, so, um, you know, you've got to be careful. Now, who's your tip for the stage? Um, I see they've got uh, Philippe as the favourite, Wood Van Aert, um, second favourite, Roglic, she's up there. But it's interesting what Whitey said about Adam Yates. Um, he's a bit of a smoky, I think. He'd be... He'd be very good odds for, for the stage. And, you know, if Whitey is confident, um, he must be feeling pretty good. Yeah, look, I think Wood Van Aert uh, is a perfect stage for him. But he is there really for for Primoz Roglic uh, or De Moulin, either one of them. He's the major support. He'd be more worried about that. It's a perfect stage for Alaphilippe. It's just type of uh, a stage that was made for him, really. He's going to be hard to beat. That's why he's a favourite. But also... You're just breaking I mean, up again then, Ify. Yep. Sorry, mate. <laughs> well, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stage for the guys who can climb well but aren't a threat on GC. This is a perfect opportunity. Like Alaphilippe. Uh, and uh, also uh, Adam Yates. Um, one other thing I want to talk to you about is Caleb Ewan. Um, he did a, a great job uh, to get back on, but mind you, you know, they did sort of neutralise the things at the front. He must be pretty bitterly disappointed that um, an opportunity like that went begging um, and, and wasn't able to 
really compete for the win in the end. It sort of seemed like he got boxed out going into the final. I think the team did a pretty good job to get him in a relatively good position with a couple of K to go. What what went wrong for Caleb, do you think? Well, I, I've listened to most of, uh, of the Caleb interviews uh, since the stage. And he said he actually got on a lot earlier than we all thought. When we were seeing this six minutes back, he was already there. I think he must have changed bikes or something because maybe that's why uh, ASO got it wrong. He, he's, he was back with plenty of time. Before the last climb, he was there. So um, I think... But his biggest problem now is he's lost two of his main uh, uh, um, support crew. John Deckencob, one of the world's best road sprinters, was going to be his really good lead out, is gone. Um, and I, I think they were a bit harsh in, in, in eliminating him. He was outside the time limit from his crash. Um, and, um, and and his other, you know, the, the strong man uh, uh, of the team uh, broke his kneecap. Uh, mm. He managed to finish the stage, uh, but um, he, he's got a broken kneecap. So he would have really missed them in the finale. But he said that he just he just stuffed it up. He was in the right place, come into the kilo, to go, and then it, it all sort of came to a halt. He ra- almost ran in the back of one of the other riders uh, and so, had to hit the brakes and inside the last 500, and that was the end of it, you know. It's funny how the tour works too. Like you can have – a lot of disappointments in that first week. Uh, and then suddenly, you know, once you get into the rhythm of things, um, opportunities open up and bang, before you know it, you've got a stage under your belt. Like you saw what happened last year. Once you get that confidence, because how much being a former sprinter yourself, how much is based on confidence and knowing to get the wheel at the right time and things like that? Look, a lot is based on that. And look, yeah, you're dead right, Dan. Last year, it was Look, eight or nine days in before before he finally mm. won that stage, he got beaten in a couple where we thought he you know, went too early or went to left it too late or whatever it was, and then suddenly he got that one win, and then that was it. No one got near him again. You know, he was he was brilliant. So he's got plenty of chances to to uh, to uh, live up to last year's performance. But you know, I was listening to him. He was bitterly disappointed last night. I mean, he wanted that yellow jersey, and that that chance is gone now. So, uh, yeah, he was spinning chips, and he didn't blame anyone else. He just uh, said they were a fraction too far back, uh, and uh, they ran into dead wheels, and that was it. Now, given that we're having a mountain stage in Stage 2, it also begs the question, um, and given COVID, you probably want to take the jersey earlier in the tour as opposed to other years? Because, I mean, what happens if, you know, you get to stage 15 and they have to halt the race? I mean, you don't want to win by default, but at the same time, I'll be thinking, bugger it, you know, a win's a win. I'll just take whatever. Is that going to play into it or don't think so? I don't believe so. I don't think the top teams are going to uh, take that into account. Most teams like to stay close. But don't real many of them don't want to have the yellow jersey too early because it may, means so much work for their team. Uh, Jumbo Visma don't seem to mind it. I know that uh, Ineos would rather just uh, um, stay close and get it towards the end of the tour. Um, now, one thing we wanted to do on this detour is mix things up a bit. We we often flash back to um, previous editions, and we're going to get in the detour DeLorean. We talked about the uh, famous bus crash. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later because I want to show stage two clip from 2013. But this podcast is called The Detour Iffy, and it all began way back in 2005 when we – I don't know how it happened. I was straight out of film school, but 
before I knew it, we were at the Tour de France, and this was at the time when Lance was going for seven wins, and obviously we, we weren't on the inner sanctum. We didn't know what the hell was going on. But the atmosphere then was electric, and we got to make a documentary out of it. We certainly did, uh, Dan. That's where the detour uh, all, all began, and uh, it, it was an enormous fun. We had a great group, uh, and uh, I think you got some clips from that to show, haven't you, mate? Yeah, I've, I've gone into the archives, and I found on YouTube the trailer for the detour to France. Um, have, a, have a look at this. Starting them out for the night, booked in. The great ski slopes, slopes. Hell, how long we going there? We go down every year. That's what we do, and we have never had a problem. Being a red-blooded Aussie, my wife thinks the world of it, and all my friends buy me drinks. And you kiss a woman on both cheeks three times. This shouldn't go to air. <laughs> As he swings up towards the line, he's going to win. He's got about eight seconds to get to it, though. They're going like cut cats. Oh, they're down. Oh, no. Mate, how good does the Angels go with cycling? <laughs> I can't, I can't help but watch that footage and think, geez, you've lost a lot of weight since then, Johnny. Yes, I did cringe at a few of those scenes that went in there, but uh, with our mate Billy. But anyway, all good, all good. Oh, fun, it was a fun time, and it got you involved in the sport, mate. At uh, 2005, and you're still here. It was funny because um, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times now, but um, we were pretty much thrown in the deep end. And I remember that was the first year that SBS went uh, live to air. And uh, we'll talk about them just in a minute. But uh, we had to do interviews, remember, uh, for Tom Alaris. And we didn't know how to film for TV. And we were doing these wide shots. And I had your guts in the shot on one of them and handed that in. I remember, yeah, Tom Alaris just shook his head and he said, mate, what is this? Have you ever worked in TV before? I said, nah. I've done wedding videos and that, and even though they were pretty shit. So uh, I remember he just shook his head and thought, oh, no, we're in trouble. But then after that, we were fine. We just needed to be told once how to film. And then, uh, you know, we used to get interviews with everyone at the start of the stages. And I can't help but watch some of those scenes, though, and particularly when we get to the big mountain stages, I'm going to miss that real chaotic crowd atmosphere, which is synonymous with the Tour de France. But... You know, at, at the end of the day, at least we've got a bike race to talk about. My favourite part of that story, mate, when we go back, is that when uh, you were at me, you decided, because I've taken your dad on the tour of the year before, and you'd said... Hey, on, mate. You're sort, of, you're sort of cutting out again. It must be every oh, time I go to your full shot. Anyway, keep going. 
<laughs> so uh, you decide you want to come on board and make this uh, detour uh, documentary. And I kept saying, oh, yeah, whatever. Not, no chance that's going to happen. But I, I just said yes. Then uh, uh, Mike Tomolaris rang me about something. I can't remember what it was. And I said, oh, gee, mate, it's going to be fantastic. Live every night. He said, oh, look, if only we had the budget to have another crew because with another camera there, it would have been mm. sensational. Uh, and I went, oh, look, I've got this young guy who wants to come and make a documentary. If you give him uh, the okay, uh, he'd do it, sh shoot that for you. And he went, has he got a beta such and such, such camera? Did you, I said, did you better cam? You beat a cam? I said, yeah. So he said, give me his number. So I said, I'll send it to you. So I rang you. I said, you got a digi beta cam? He said, piss off. That's like 70, 80 grand. I said, well, you better find out how much to hire one. And away right. we went. Away and we I, went. I remember the lens alone on that camera was worth like 30000 And I remember hanging out the side on the on one of the mountain stages doing some shots, and I hadn't tightened the lens up enough, and it fell off the camera. But I caught it in my other hand. So it was a $30,000 slips catch hanging out and filming this crowd. But it's funny, like, th those were such good experiences on the Iffy Tours because you never know what was going to happen next. Like, I remember rolling up to hotels and you would be cool, calm, collected, and they'd say, yes, Mr. Trevor, we have your booking, um, except it's for August, not July. <laughs> and you'd have uh -huh. eight guys looking at each other, but you always found a hotel down the road or... Yeah, that, that was one really bad one. And the worst part of that was that Ronnie Gower, who was with us, got the other hotel, and I've never heard the end of it. But anyway, we, we survived again. And you're very lucky that just before we go to stage two from 2013, um, one year you sent Scott McGorry, myself, and Timmy Oliver off to uh, a little hut. You, you had no accommodation, and, and somehow, this is before Airbnb, Airbnb you, you found some farm hut. And they put us up for a night and we slept in the piggery where all the pigs were sleeping. And Jerry was going to come with us that night. And I, I think if, if Jerry slept in the piggery, that would have been it for the bakeries, mate. She would have been done and dusted. <laughs> so Luckily, he, he got a, a, a better accommodation at the last minute. So it worked really well. <laughs> so just on that, I um, want to say a big shout out to the sponsors. Um, we've got some great sponsors for the Detour podcast. Um, obviously, Let's Go Motorhomes, if you want to travel around. Let's go is the, the, the great option. And um, obviously with the COVID pandemic, we're going to be doing a lot of traveling around Australia. A couple of other sponsors you want to give a shout out to, Ify? Well, uh, we just had uh, Whitey on. And Whitey's uh, segment is brought to you by Mitchelton Wines. Mitchelton Winery, we forgot to say that we came on. But they're a fantastic partner. Um, just, sorry, on Mitchelton, just on Mitchelton yeah. Wines, I went to BWS to get a bottle of Mitchelton Wines. Um, and just went to the counter and said, hey, mate, I'm after some Mitchelton. And the guy looked at me like plain face like I was talking in code. And I said to him, you got any Mitchelton? So I don't – I said, mate, it's wine. If if that guy worked into Gamby, he would have been sacked on the spot. <laughs> like, so we're going to have to get the supply chain going out to BWS here in uh, Caulfield. Um, they're a great sponsor. And, and obviously Lexus of uh, Blackburn. Yes, Lexus uh... – Later on, when we do the uh, Lexus DeLorean uh, uh, segment, that'll be brought to us by Lexus of Blackburn, the DeLorean segment. <laughs> and, and also Bike Exchange, who now Bike Exchange has stepped up. And if you look at the jerseys of the Mitchelton Scott team in the Tour de France, it's Mitchelton Scott Bike Exchange. So they've stepped up um, to be a sponsor. Oh, we've got someone on board. <laughs> Talking about the coverage. It was wonderful, wasn't it? It was awesome, mate. Well done. How did you go? 
How did you That's survive good. doing it on the ground here? Uh, it was fantastic. I charged up my phone to make sure that didn't go flat, unlike on Friday night with you guys. It was really good. We had Robbie in Sydney. Brian and I were in Melbourne. And we had, I don't know whether it was Google Meets or FaceTime or whatever it was, we had computer screen open and Robbie was in Sydney. And there was a couple of times Robbie was trying to eat dinner early on in the coverage. And I started <laughs> asking him a question and he popped a gyoza in. I thought, I'm going to have to make this question a bit longer so Robbie can get chewing before he answers the question. Now, the big question is, Matty, how did you go with fatigue today, mate? You wouldn't have finished up. What time did you get home? And, and are you running on absolute vapours? Oh, yeah, I am. I got home at 3.30. And as you know, after you've done a live broadcast, it takes a little while to wind down. So I got to bed at about 4.30 and... You know, I've got two young kids roaming around the house. I've got an eight-year-old son who's not renowned for being particularly quiet, and I've got no idea where he might get that from. So as soon as he thought that, well, it's you know, it's nine thirty, Dad should be up and about by now. He was keen to come up and have a wrestle. So I didn't get a whole lot of sleep. And then I don't know if you've seen Jonesy. I'm trying to do a tour training challenge. I'm trying to ride my bike every day in the garage, and I've got Graham Brown trying to coach me through it and he's trying to see if he can get me fitter by the end of the tour than what I was at the start of the tour so I'm in the garage and I'm doing these intervals that Graham has set out for me and I'm doing the last interval and it's a one minute effort and by my standards it's a pretty hard effort my heart rates at about 180 beats per minute my 10 year old daughter walks into the garage as I've got 10 seconds to go and she says to me he does know that he's a professional athlete and you're not doesn't he dad <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Keenan, I, I, what's this talk about you need to get fitter? I don't reckon your weight has deviated 100 grams in 15 years. No, I went for When I raced, I was 72 kilos. The most I've ever weighed is 78 kilos. I'm now back down to 74 kilos. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> I thought uh, if he, Bridie O'Donnell, was a, a bloody superstar last night, she, uh, she had some great insights. Well, look, we, we know she's very professional. You know, we've seen her on The Project and all these other shows. But you just slotted straight in uh, with, with you, Matty. You you were a great uh, uh, partnership, the pair of you. I always thought logistically, even if you had three people that have worked together a lot, that it was going to be hard with Robbie being in Sydney and us being in Melbourne. And we've only worked together, the three of us, a couple of times at the national championships, I think maybe two times. And it worked really well. And it wasn't a case of me as the host going, Robbie, Bridie, Robbie, Bridie, and it was like a game of tennis. There were plenty of times where I wasn't in the conversation and those two were talking, which speaks to the professionalism of both of them. But you want to be intimidated by somebody's CV. You know, she's, she's a doctor by trade. She's heading up women's in sport in Victoria to try and get women more active in sport. She's a world record holder in the hour on the velodrome. She's won an Australian title in the individual time trial. Mate, lucky I don't suffer from inferiority complex. <laughs> yeah, but you're doing you're doing Zwift rides with Graham Brown, mate. Don't oh, worry, well, you, you hold your own. Yeah, yeah, with my daughter sledging me from within the garage. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, what what were your thoughts on the stage overall? As we were just saying early in the show, it's bloody chaotic. I mean, if it's going to be like that every night, we we're just going to struggle to mentally get through to Paris. One of the most picturesque ice skating rinks you're ever likely to see. It was. Packed full of drama, wasn't it? And yeah. I like the way Tony Martin tried to calm things down because there wasn't much to be gained with the attack on the dis descent by the Astana team. And as Lucas Postelberger said, 
Astana karma. Mm. <laughs> we were exactly. all saying that, mate. It was uh, the quickest karma I've ever seen come around. It was about 30 seconds uh, later. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, was it was amazing. John, I was disappointed to see so many people crash. You don't want to see that many crashes. We don't want to see crashes full stop, but certainly not not that many so early. So oh, that, that, that is as bad as I've seen a road. It obviously hasn't rained in, uh, in uh, Nice for a couple of months. And the last time I saw a road like that was at the World Championships uh, that, that uh, Lance Armstrong Oslo. won Oslo. in Oslo. It was exactly like that. It hadn't rained for ages. Suddenly it was like an ice rink. They were falling off going up the hill. It was exactly the same yesterday. Yeah, and you mentioned that, a Norwegian in Oslo, 93. Norwegian won yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, fantastic. One thing I want to know, Maddie, is is there any big disadvantages you get for your commentary not being on the ground? Like, is there little advantages you get from being there live that yeah. you can add to your commentary? Yeah, you can. You know the wind direction as opposed to just being dependent on websites telling you which way it's going and you actually feel how strong it is. And a website might tell you what the wind speed is, but the buildings have an impact on what that role can be when it comes down to the actual sprint finish it might be windy out in the open roads but in the city it might have a bit more protection so it doesn't really play a part those sorts of things you can see where there's a manhole on a tight corner that's a kilometer to go that could have an impact if it's wet but not if it's dry you don't get that on the road book so you pick up those little bits of information in addition to that probably for me the biggest loss not being there is walking through the commentary box and talking to the commentators of the other nationalities. Robbie and I normally sat next to the Norwegians and I can just imagine they would have been going absolutely bonkers yesterday because if there's a Norwegian anywhere near the front with a K to go, they stop commentating and they start barracking. <laughs> Maybe you can start a WhatsApp group like they, you, I yeah. think you said in your commentary that they did in uh, um, Andorra. The yeah. Why don't you be the guy that started the global commentary WhatsApp group and, you know, you'll get kudos for that and then you can just pick their brains as well. That's a good idea. If you can just edit this part out of the podcast and you post up, <laughs> I'll full credit for it. Uh, predictions for stage two, mate. We're hitting the mountains very, very early. Uh, Sergio Hagita will win the stage today, the Columbia National Champion for EF Education First. I think Ooh. it'll be a pretty select group. And amongst the climbers, he's a pretty fast sprinter. Uh, he was inside. He was ahead of Caleb yesterday. I think he was one or two spots ahead of Caleb yesterday. And it'll be interesting to see who gets over, over those climbs in the front group. But Higita can seriously sprint. Not almost Daryl Impey fast. Wow. Okay. All right. There you go. Well, we spoke to Matty White earlier, and uh, he said Adam Yates is uh, upski today. So if you want to use yep. that for your commentary, just I will you know, throw that well, out. Adam, Adam Yates and Hagita are really similar, and I think Sergio Hagita is maybe slightly faster than Adam. Okay. Well, it's going to be an uh, interesting stage. Thanks for joining the potty again, mate. Um, all the best for tonight, and uh, good luck with the, the sleep uh, in the morning. Yeah, you might have to stuff. get got, a hey, padlock. I've still got 30% battery on my phone. Perfect. Good work. Well, uh, Matty, at least I know, know now why you didn't uh, return my call at 9.30 this morning. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I was in a pain cave getting sick. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll check in uh, and see how that WhatsApp group's going as well, mate. We'll just keep yeah. adding to it. All Good right. on you, Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks, Matty.
Another legend of the sport, Matty Keenan. And as we said earlier, um, fantastic job with the commentary. And uh, the, I think the coverage as a whole, I thought it was really polished. Like Catherine Whelan and the, and the crew at um, SBS did a fantastic job. Like the, it was very interactive. You know, they had the maps there. And um, I thought Tomo could have got a bit more out of uh, Renshaw in terms of like, you know, did he actually live in Nice? I'm not sure. <laughs> now, now, I don't, look, uh, uh, Mark Rich, you're a sensational guy, and yeah. his, his first gig, he speaks very, very well, um, and he, he's very, fairly laid back. But uh, um, you know, don't be too harsh on him because he lived oh, most it was of a his joke, time, mate. I thought it was he, great. He, he lived most of his time in Monaco. Actually, he lived, I think, two years in Nice, but it's only next door. So, yeah. And, and and it's funny with with lead out guys, um, he would have had um, so many victories that Cavendish simply wouldn't have got if he didn't have Renshaw as, as the world's best lead out um, man for that period. You know, they they were unstoppable around that sort of two thousand seven to two thousand ten when the HTC train was in full effect. It was it was a great era. Yes, I, I can remember uh, uh, he had a run in with uh, with Jules, with Julian Dean uh, uh, at one stage, and uh, uh, he got kicked off the tour. <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, before we go, Ify, uh, we want to get in the, the detour DeLorean um, and we want to flash back to a famous stage two from years gone by. Now, in the archives, we talked about the bus crash, but it was the day after that was really interesting because. Gary, the bus driver, who was only there temporary to fill in for a couple of days in Corsica, he became the most favourite uh, bus driver in the world. So I thought I'd grab the, the little snippet from that backstage pass on uh, stage two and the, and the sheriff uh, opened up proceedings. Redemption song. Okay, uh, welcome to the backstage pass, stage number two in the Tour de France. Yesterday was a pretty uh, exciting day. We had an incident to finish in line with the bus. Uh, Nothing hurt except for the, the bit of the aircon stuff. A uh, bit of a worry over the next few days. We're a bit of a bit of a problem there. But no, seriously, the, I was just talking to Gary about the uh, the parking plan for Paris. Uh, we've got a few ideas that we're throwing around. Gary did a great job yesterday. He's, uh, he maintained it. He's calm. It's a bit it's a pretty stressed moment there, and uh, he got us out of the shit there. So uh, anyway, Gary, you, great mate. job, mate. Bloody go. Thank you. He's a, he's, he's a bloody beauty. On the road again. <laughs> <laughs> It's 32 degrees. Uh, we've still got a while to go, so if you need bottles, give us a yell, guys. Going places that I've never been. Yeah, great stuff. I just remember being on the race route. Um, all the crowds were going, oh, like ducking the head like he was going to hit something again. Um, and sensational guy, Gary. Like he he came to the team from its inception. In fact, he was there in 2011 when Green Edge had their bus there just for publicity reasons. And um, I remember Steve at the time said, oh, who's this guy? He goes, ah, yeah, he's just filling in. He's just driving the bus. And uh, yeah, he doesn't speak any English, but yeah, no, nah, good bloke. And then he learnt English on the job, and then um, he's actually one of Spain's best pig shooters. Not many people know that. He's got the record for the biggest pig ever shot in the north of Spain, 180 kilos. So there you go. Oh, there you go. There's some random stats. Um, that wraps a pretty big detour episode. If he, who was your final tip? You're going to jump on the Adam Yates train for tonight, or are you going to listen to Kino? No, I think Alaphilippe. Al Philippe, 
Yep. He's not going out on a whim there. He's the bloody red hot favourite. Oh, you well, give us I a just, bit of a roughie. I just, I just think uh, look, if you want to go for odds, you get like guys like. Uh, let me have. Well, we got a text from a mate, Toffer. He said he got Adam Yates at forty-one dollars. Oh, Jeez, well, that's, that's, that's there. You good. go. Yeah. Uh, Philip Gilbert at twenty-three dollars. Well, let's. Uh, I don't think uh, that'll be very good because Philip is uh, Gilbert is who uh, broke his uh, kneecap yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Well, go, let's go for Yatesy. All right, we're all into Yatesy. And if Yatesy wins, obviously he'll take the jersey. So this could be a monster night of Mitchelton champagne. Do they make <laughs> champagne? I don't think they do. They do? Oh, do, that's the best Australian uh, champagne on the market, mate, without any doubt. Well, there you go. We'll be popping Mitchelton champagne tonight. So thanks again. Now, did I mention how people can get involved with the show? Like, obviously, if you're watching it now, you've, you've worked out how to get there. But... Um, Remember, facebook.com forward slash detour pod and the YouTube, um, just search the detour podcast in YouTube. Um, well, I gave uh, a few of my cycling mates who've got a group of us who uh, ride on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I gave them all the links of how to jump on board and ask. They're all going to ask a question, but they're all technically dyslectic and they haven't been able to work it out. But uh, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, Johnny tomorrow, Gianni Dumani. That's it for another episode. See you at 7.30 every night on Facebook and YouTube. Take it easy. Go Yatesy.